Recording in progress. So we are live. Hello, everyone. It is us again. It's been a while. It's I know. And Nicole, and welcome to an episode. You, you didn't even say our um our what this is. Oh um, yes, welcome to an episode. <laughs> <of> <laughs> we are free. <laughs> We're free. Now. Almost, yeah, pretty much, right? Like we are free. And um, it's, um, we chose today, today we wanted to talk about honoring our fathers in our lives. And um, our special guest today is no other than my own, the youngest, well, younger, youngest windfall in my family, i.e. my brother. He's coming on today to discuss fatherhood. Um, and um, the reason why I chose, we chose him, actually it was Nicole who suggested him, because we wanted to make it personal. You know, we wanted to make Father's Day personal for us, you know, and um, talk to someone who is new to the game and is, you know, <laughs> is part of Fufu and Pap and it's in his own way, by extension of me. And um, we're hoping we could get Nicole's other half but I'm sure we can get him on another one yeah we totally could it would just have to be when our son is is not like I don't know if you heard him (laughs) while we were interviewing oh no um never mind (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh you broke forth (laughs) wall well the other time I mean Adjua when we were recording he's just always in the background like making a lot of noise so we would have to find a time where he's not here and that's usually you know during the week but but it was you know um it's really interesting (laughs) I'm sorry we're so giggly today uh it's just interesting like the dynamic of of fatherhood so I'd be really interested I'm I am very interested to learn about what your brother really thinks about being a new father yeah it is um very interesting and you know like if I have to go back like we we grew up in a two-parent home um so we both we have both our parents in our lives and to this day they're still in our lives as I'm sitting here they're sitting in the living room um because they came down for my dad's um, biannual checkup. So they're here. Um, And it's so different. Like seeing Kweku as a father is very different from what we saw. And my father was, you know, he was um, very senior where he worked. Um, And so he was very, very busy, very busy. And I can count... The number of times he was around, not because he was an absent father, no, it's because his work required that he traveled a lot around the world. And sometimes within a, a month, he's been home, let's say a week. Um, so we spent most of our ch- my mom was the main parent. And when he was around, he did his best, like um you know, we'll do stuff as a family and what's not. Um, he used to take Kweku to play squash every Saturday and stuff like that. Um, so, but he, we, we clearly have a closer bond to our mom. All three of us were very, very mm-hmm. close to our mom because she was always there. You know, 
she was the one who first face we saw last face we saw before we went to bed she did the school drop-offs when my dad was out of town um she did the pickups you know she gave up her job her career to be a stay-at-home mom because she want they wanted to make sure that we were not being raped by um nannies and stuff but there was a parent present and um so it's very interesting to see Kweku as a dad now you know yeah. and um there are things like he does he, sometimes he'll call us while he's bathing his daughter so we can be a part of it and yeah. just share and last weekend we all the whole family went to the park and um seeing how hands-on he was with her and he went to the splash pad with her inside the water and you know running around he was I there was so she she needed her bottle and she was sitting on my mom's lap and um quick was like do you want milk and you can tell like she wanted it and quick was taking a sweet time to get her her bottle this girl was like getting off my mom's lap and she was like she was going over to beat her father to give her bottle you know and he's like you know quickly brought it to her he knows how to soothe her he knows how to talk to her you know and it's interesting to see and this is why it is so important to have fathers in your child's life if you can yeah because they make a difference and men to stand up and be dads and show their children that, you know, the presence of your child, the presence of you makes a difference because it's really telling on how you end up, the people you end up picking as partners. Really, yeah, or, the or just like acceptable behavior from, from, especially if you're like for both sons and daughters, but especially if you're like a, a daughter the acceptable behavior for men in general whether it's like in your relationship or not but it's uh there was um there's this comedian and he makes a joke about um him only really like his father was present in his life like you know his parents were still together but he only really met his father when he was like seven because his father worked so much and he was making a joke out of it because it was reality the father worked so much and he only really saw him on on weekends and so he makes that joke that you know he also makes a joke about like men doing more of the the traditional women roles because that's you know it's not to say like that never existed before but I think that it's much more common now that like men are really more present in their children's lives and it's it's expected too because women it just women just continue to progress especially within their career and a professional aspect like women are taking on more leadership roles that take them away from the family more so it's only expect somebody's got to take care of the kids you know so it has to also be like the men stepping in but it'll be really exciting to hear like a perspective from um your brother and hopefully throughout the month we can get some more perspectives from just men in general it's always really interesting to hear a man speak about their first time being a father and how that's changed them because you just those are the things like even you know you become a mother you have to do things differently um and I'm sure of course for a man it's it's really different because 
for anybody like all you have you're usually just taking care of yourself and now you're it's really about like making sure this person survives exactly. every day you know exactly so. so how about you Nicole how is um I know you your story is very different with your dad but and also now you have um Kwame with Hendrix and do you want to share that experience yeah I mean like for me personally I I actually don't I have I don't have a recollection of a relationship with my father and that's because he just he died very young um he was only 39 and like I guess I was about seven um when he passed away so I don't remember much like I I try very hard and like sometimes I think about when I can't remember what this actual term in law is but where they where people sort of like go back try to go back into their their memory and their thoughts to like to really remember something from their past and it pops up like it happens people can sometimes bring that back into the present but I just I don't remember anything about my father and I don't make I don't mean to make this a sob story but like we actually don't have many pictures of him either because unfortunately it burned in a fire in South Africa with like all our belongings at the time so a lot of what I know about my father was for sure what my mother shared with me or what my brothers shared with me because they are older so they they had a relationship with my dad so unfortunately I don't all I really know of my father is again like what people tell me so but I do have three brothers and I had a really strong mother figure and so my brothers you know they I I, I feel like they taught me um, certain things like they were like my three dads kind of thing but of course it's like it's never the same and I don't even know what to compare it to like I don't even know what to compare to say it's not the same or it is but what I can say is for example like with you know Kwame and Hendrix he's such a present father and um, he is also trying to be there and present in our son's life and different from his father not that the way that his father raised him was um incorrect or bad or anything but he's just trying like you know he's just more present to Hendrix and he wants to continue to just be in every aspect and decision and things like that with with him and it's not all left on me you know so I I imagine that that might might have been what it was like but my mother, from what I know, like she took on that traditional mother role, taking like raising four kids on her own. And my father traveled a lot. So he had to travel a lot for work. And um, so, so yeah, I mean, I wish I could, I don't even know what he sounds like. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have no idea what my father's voice is like. So it's, um, yeah, it's bittersweet. It's like a weird thing to think about, but it is. Yeah. But I was so young when it happened. So it's hard to even and this sounds weird, but I think somebody who's experienced it um, would understand what I'm trying to say is like, it's not even a sad feeling like I was so young, I just didn't know any different. I don't know any different. Right. So I don't miss what I don't know. Yeah. that's what it is so I know like I mean it's not the same but like I know my mom always would talk about her dad and my grandfather died a few years before my my sister and I were born 
and my older cousin had the experience with him and just recently my mom was like you would have loved your grandfather he loved children like he just loved kids like the kids in the neighborhood would always you know wait for him and call out for him and my older cousin would say like you know my my grandfather was um you know quite well to whatever like he was he had a good he had a really good job (laughs) stupid google whatever um and he would every time like he drove he had a Benz and he had a driver and my cousin and him would sit in the back seat and she was back then in the 70s like having a Benz was a big deal and they will drive to school in the back of the Benz and he'll always be the one to pick her up and drop her off and I and sometimes I'm like damn I wish I got to meet this guy and my mom would tell me about how strong and deep his voice was and those little things but it's like you're not sad that you didn't you're not he was gone before I was I was but it's like you wish you knew this person because you heard so much about him yeah yeah 100 percent. it's like I I mean and honestly I don't even as a kid I don't remember meeting my grandfather Mm -hmm. um any of my grandparents actually except for my mother's mother Mm -hmm. um but yeah, like you hear all these lovely stories and, and actually that's, that's one thing that because I have experienced that, like there's so, there's such a disconnect with a lot of people I don't know that are very, like they're my blood blood. Um, I want to make it an effort to, and we can in this day and age, social media, there's like so many apps to record this and that. I want to make sure that when I pass, you know, that, that there's still a presence, like I don't want to be forgotten. Kind of well, you, you're on a podcast. There's no way. There's, you're, you're, you're archived. They'll just yeah, Spotify. <laughs> yeah, I hope, you know, when he's old enough um, that, yeah, he can still hear my voice. I That's one thing I actually, I feel like I regret with my mother. Of course, you know, I my mother was my mother and father. So I, I, of course I remember what she sounds like, but one thing you really take for granted is like time with people. Mm -hmm. So you always, as a child too, you think like your parents going to be around forever. One thing I really regret, and I will tell everybody whose parents are still here to take as many videos and voice recordings of your parents, because um, it, it fades like it fades, you know, and of course, I still remember what my mom sounds like, but, you know, to be able to play back a recording to actually hear her voice, you know, is is golden. So I would say to people out there, you know, to really take advantage of those sorts of things, because, yeah, yeah. but um, but anyways, I think our guest is almost here. Before so. he comes on, I just want to say I saw the video you posted of Kwame rollerblading, and I <laughs> jealous. I don't know how to rollerblade. I wouldn't even know You're how. So to funny. And he was doing all those tricks and stuff. I was like, no, I, no, I need to learn. I was so cool, and I saw Hendrix. I was like, why? Like he's. I know. I'm 58. <laughs> I should roller skate. I know, like Kwame, he's really good at it. He's he's actually he's good at snowboarding. He's good at roller skating, skateboarding. He's just an old man now, so he doesn't do much of it. But but yeah, he is. Uh, I, I don't know. I wasn't rollerblading with them. I was running, and they. I was wondering. I was like, why is Nicole? And I'm like, <laughs> no, no. I actually don't have any rollerblades, um, or any good rollerblades. So mm-hmm. I do have to get some so that I can 
be with them mm-hmm. um but Hendrix yeah we're just trying to really like you know it's just there's nothing else to do so we're like yeah. just trying to do outdoor things so so he's really taken to that but um yes. but anyways yeah I think we should go to break because yeah. Yeah, right. Kweku will be here and so hang tight don't go anywhere have our guest like I mentioned during our intro this is personal to me um I have a new father and obviously my own younger brother Kweku Winful is on wow. put his whole government name out there that's how you guys are <laughs> <laughs> yes your full government name uh, this is for my brother people know that your last name is Winful so of course yeah Anyways. Sorry, I, I, I sometimes forget what the real world is like. I work in an environment where we don't really use the first names, especially. So I keep forgetting, yeah, in the real world, people can info. <laughs> yeah. well, anyways, so well, welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, I want to apologize for the look. You got to understand it's COVID and my barber's plasma <laughs> called me back. Well, right, my look, look at my roots. I mean, <laughs> my hair is two different, entirely different colors. <laughs> yeah, this COVID well, is a struggle. Well, luckily for you, this will not be on video, so they'll just hear your voice. So as long as your voice oh, it's not video. No, we oh, haven't, oh, okay. haven't progressed to that stage yet, but oh, okay. Maybe this is the episode to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> well, single video. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, for the listeners out there. Um, if you want to, I look homeless. Picture <laughs> if you've ever seen The Wire. Picture, um, yeah. Just let your mind roam from there. I'll just leave it there. What season <laughs> of The Wire though? Is it the first no, season? What, I'm trying to remember the name of. I keep forgetting his name. Marlo Stanfield. Is it Marlo? Yes, Marlo it's Stanfield. Marlo. Yeah. So the guy, you know the. I think he's Nigerian. How he had mm-hmm. his hair. Yeah. So if you Google that, you'll know what I'm talking about. So this is. <laughs> That's what I look like. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Anyway, so Kweku, you mm-hmm. are you have now recently joined the League of Fatherhood. League. Um, <laughs> it's clearly and some of us are yet to hit that stage, but you reached there, and you know, we as you all know, we I enjoy being an auntie and everything, but what expectations did you have for an, as a new father and how similar or different were those expectations you had? I don't think I had new expectations as a father because I didn't have any expectations. It was just don't be a deadbeat, right? Don't be the stereotype that attributed to black men. That was mostly it. Because if you think of like our fathers and onwards, and, you know, our parents start telling stories, you realize 
our fathers weren't, you know, they weren't hands-on. They weren't changing diapers. They weren't feeding. They weren't doing those, dealing with you when you're crying. It's like they went out, they worked, they came home. And when you turn five or so, all they were more involved in the process. And so, you know, no matter where I looked, it looked like fathers were involved. So it's my child. I played 50% role in making her. You could say more, <laughs> right? So why would I not be involved in all the things? I take pride in the fact that I change diapers and I feed her and I bathe her and I do these things. And, you know, she's connected to me. I'm not this, you know. So I guess to me, the expectations weren't just being able to financially provide, but it was actually being present in a lot more ways than theoretical. So I, that was my own expectations. But society has all these expectations. Most of the time, people get caught up in what society expects you to do. And you notice that when you see how people post on social media and they create this perfect utopia of having a child, and it's not. And the mm -hmm. fact that it's chaotic is what's beautiful about it. The same child you're looking at that won't go down and it's been up and it's tearing you apart. You, you know, you're looking at them like, I can't stand any part of you right now. But at the <laughs> same time, when, they, when they're sleeping or the other time they look at you and they smile, it's all worth it, right? So my expectations, which I like, is that I want a happy, healthy baby and do my part as a father. And so far, it looks like it's working out. So, yeah. Is she a, is she a daddy's girl? Like the, can you dispel that myth if that's true? Because I have a son. They usually say like boys gravitate more towards their mom and girls gravitate more towards their dad. So is, I is believe, that a thing? I believe the opposite sex sets your expectations for that sex. So a girl's relationship with men can be, you based on her father relationship with the father, you can tell her relationship with her men will be either mm -hmm. if she's looking for something, it may dictate who she's into or, you know, that kind of a thing. I think the way men respond to women is primarily based on how they see, A, their father treating their mother, but right. B, how their interaction with their mother as well. So I think that's where it comes from. And, you know, you see certain things. If it's a single parent, yeah, there's a greater connection with that child. So is there a greater chance of a, of a girl becoming a daddy's girl or a boy becoming a mama's boy if it's a single parent relationship? Of course, because that's mm -hmm. that person fills both roles. Um, apart from that, one thing I realized with myself and another friend of ours is when it comes to fathers, especially a daddy's girl or even a, a son who's very attached to his father is present. The more you're involved, the more you're there, and the more things you do, yeah, your kid is going to gravitate to you. Mine, mine. when I get home, she gets excited. She won't even let me wash off before coming, and she's dying for me to carry her. <laughs> I'm using the bathroom, and this girl will open the door and come to me. I'm <laughs> sitting on the now, so she So she'll walk into the bathroom, and I'm sitting on the throne, and I'm like, hey, this is private time. But she just wants to spend time with me because... I've created the environment and the relationship where I'm involved. So yes, people, mama's boys and daddy's girls are determinant on the parent, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I never thought of it that way. Um, but so you, you've had the privilege of growing up in Ghana and you saw the pros and cons of being raised um, there and in Canada. So mm -hmm. do, do you think that you would ever, one, raise your child um, in Africa, and if you do, why or why not? Would you ever explore that if that opportunity presented itself to you? So it's something we actively discuss, but it's not just Africa, it's also the Caribbean. That's half of where, you know, 
My daughter is half Caribbean, half African. So to me, it's about grow. It's not about necessarily just the country, but it's about growing up in an area where you understand and know your family and understand your culture to a degree. I know Ghanaians that have never been to Ghana, but they're so intertwined in the Ghanaian community here. <laughs> their tree or fancy is perfect. You know, they have so much understanding. They just don't know what the country looks like. So I think that's the influence you put. Would I live in Ghana again? Yeah, I would. I mean, it'd be a bigger adjustment for me because I just can't stand the way things move. <laughs> Ghanaians have a very relaxed approach to things and I've become very, you know, you got to get it done. We got to move. I don't have time to waste. I'd rather get my work done early than late. Right. Uh, so that adjustment. But academically, you know, the Caribbean and Africa, it's higher than the West. Up to high school, we're about two or three grades ahead and it's shown. Um, the cultural balance, the, the, the values of respect that come from the cultural understanding and having a different perspective. I think the Western world sometimes, good or bad, it creates uh, unrealistic views of the world or a certain system that it can only work here and people don't know how to operate anywhere else. Or you have them go back to their own countries and then you hear things like, oh, this place is a crap hole and all those type of things. Uh, this false belief that the West is the best, not necessarily, but I would, I think I would go up great. I just, I think by university, I'd want to move her out. That's about the only thing similar to how we grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's pros and cons from both cultures. Um, and there's also negatives, you know, here she builds. The thing is my daughter growing up here, she realizes she'll realize that she's a different race and it matters here. If she grows up back home, you know, I think she'll stand out a bit because of her hair, that kind of a thing, but it's more homogeneous than here. And it's less of, there's less lines around those areas. So I think race will be the biggest thing in the difference and academics, I would say. But apart from that, I have no problem moving. I'm kind of tired of Canada anyways. What's so, I don't see what's so great anymore. What our parents, what in the seventies and eighties, the the dream that was sold is kind of over. You know, it's, I, I compared to, Imagine like our parents, you've heard about Elvis for so long, you've seen concerts online. And then when you finally got to see Elvis, it was near like the end of his career. He had gained weight, <laughs> he was in a sharp So you're like, I was sold this dream and I finally get here and it's not what I expected. And yeah. so I think that's what, that's what happens with a lot of immigrants here. And yeah. so, you know, right. I don't think you're missing anything growing up back home or here. It's how you build it. It's how you build your experience. Yeah, and like one one person's dream is not another's. So if it was your parents, like you know, now it's right. it, you totally could have a, a different like you, you do you have a different view of it and have your own dream. Right. Plus, we hear of how many how much success is happening outside of the West, right? Yeah. It, you know, America as the superpower; those days are fleeting. They're at the end of their empire, closer to the beginning. You've seen a rise in China. Africa is looking like the next big one. So is the Caribbean. So you know, things are going to change over time. Yeah. Move with the times, yeah. That is definitely, I mean, I guess this past week in Canada or past two weeks in Canada has been a shit show to say the least with regards to us really feeling like what is here for us anymore, you know? No, it's just because Canada sold the um, diverse dream for so long 
and the cracks are beginning to show. You can only hide the truth for so long until it comes out. And, you know, the sentiments you've seen shown in the States are prevalent in Canada too. They've always been. It's just Canadians are nice, right? Or quote unquote nice. Yeah. Right. They're, they're, it's about that, but it doesn't mean the mentality is different. Right. Yeah. So. But even like with, with regards to racism and everything that's going on in Canada, it is, you know, Nicole having a black son, Kweku having a black daughter. Um, it's, it's a very different conversation that you will be having with your children. And how difficult is it now to raise a black child in this part of the world and what do you, what can you do to ensure you can protect your child from racism? You can't protect your child from racism. You can't protect your child from discrimination. Hell, in this day and age, it's getting even more difficult to protect your child from sexual harassment. Um, I, you prepare them f- to, to deal with the issues at hand, right? Because I can't, you know, I remember once I went to do a comedy show and, um, at the comedy show, the theme of the bar had this whole famous criminals thing. So they had, a, you know, those um, height charts. So I went to stand by the height chart and one of the people in the audience, because it was a biker place, she walks up to me and she's like, who knew you could pile shit that high? And laughed and walked away, feeling very comfortable saying it. But what am I going to do? I'm going to fight this woman? <laughs> no, she knows I can't do anything when I'm looking at one percenters all over the bar, right? For those who don't know, one percenters are the... Um, gang bikers so your hell's angels etc they're the, they're considered one percenters so um you know these are things that happen ari's going to go to school where she's going to hear from other kids who come from different homes with different belief systems and all types of different things so i can't shield her i have to explain what's going to happen it's the same way i have to prep her to teach her about you know people touching her the wrong way or trying to, i have to prepare for that too so i can't stop it I can only make sure that she's aware of what's going on and process that information so it doesn't affect things like her self-confidence, her self-awareness, and her self-worth. Because, you know, some of these kids can get mean, and when you're young, it gets tough. Or adults, especially in schools in Canada, we've seen it time and time again. Teachers and principals and the whole system discriminating against minority children and acting as though it's normal. See, that's the tough part. We have normalized microaggressions and discriminatory natures within Canada. So people feel it's how it is. It's not right. It's just we've made people comfortable with it. So, I mean, it, it, even if I say moved her to Ghana, there's still going to be a issue. When we grew up, there was a thing there where you saw how people reacted to white people as compared to black, even Ghanaians. There's a preference for white, right? So we all do it. So you can't protect anyone from the world unless you want to put it in a bubble. I must you know, teach her and show her what the ropes are and explain what it is she's going to face. And the little tips that uh, in reality, a lot of white families are not going to have conversations about. I'm going to have to do it. And there's going to be nights where I'm going to have to console her. And there's going to be tough conversations about race and, and all these type of things. But hey, <laughs> unfortunately, it comes with, it comes with uh, being Black. So... And- and it, it also comes with the, I would say, like the territory of being a parent, that those are mm-hmm. the things that, you know, are just inevitable, like, uh, yeah. especially with schools, too. You know, I you, you trust the system. You hope to trust the right. system. Your kids are in school or like a daycare for 
our work day and you just mm-hmm. hope all you can do is hope that they're being hope treated fairly the right and the right way and it is just about preparing them on how to react like I don't know if you can hear my son in the background he's <laughs> having a tantrum at the moment but he came home the other day and he was like oh you know this friend said that they hate me and it stuck with him for the whole day and he's right. three you know mm-hmm. and you're like how do you explain to them that you know it, it one like their opinion doesn't matter like you shouldn't mm-hmm. hate such a strong word they're young like they probably heard it from a sibling or something mm-hmm. like that but it just stuck with him so much because like the next day when it was time to drop him off at school he was still like oh well she said she hates me and she's not my mm-hmm. best friend and you're like you just want to be like who cares you don't need yeah. her to be your best friend you yeah know? but it's, it's, it's your but whole it's, world right it's so their whole world yeah and it mm-hmm. comes back to like just trying to um really put this confidence for them to be really confident and proud and and know their worth at a very young age Mm -hmm. to and you know for sure those things are really hard to manage at three Mm -hmm. but um in sort of speaking with like confidence uh, how do you as being a father um now that you have a daughter who is both african and caribbean roots how do you manage to incorporate your culture as well as um her mother's culture into the into her life as as well as sort of like balancing a canadian culture as well so just sort of having all three of it intertwined oh uh i guess it's just how we operate i mean the culture influences daily uh you know Sorry, I just got to adjust. Um, for Are you example, walking through a forest there? No, no, no. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm just joking. It's like, I know, right? It looks like I'm in the middle of a jungle. Um, so some of the, the things are, uh, so we have a lot of constant exposure because we're around family members. So uh, around family members, like my wife's family, she gets exposed to the food, the culture, the music, that kind of a thing. So she hears it and learns from it and is exposed to it uh, from my end. You know, when we get it, it's different because, you know, especially with COVID, it's not as easy to just meet up and say, hey, we're coming by. Um, because technically our bubble happened to be around her parents just out of proximity of where we live. But, um, you know, my wife is insistent on me speaking only Fanti with Ari at home. And she wants flashcards when I'm not home. She can practice words with her and it's, you know, we play different types of music at home. And now it's when, you know, my family calls or is speaking to or is with her, it's speak fancy. So she learns it. So it's that kind of exposure. And as she gets older, it's making sure that she's exposed to different things when she visits back home and some of the cultural events that happen. And they do Saturday schools here where you can not only learn the language, but learn some more historical things. So it's involving her in those type of things. Because if you don't, you know, it's really easy to get caught up in Canada and the Canadian lifestyle and totally forget your own cultural background, especially because assimilation is huge here. Um, you can celebrate your cultural things. Yeah, that's great for a while. But then in school, especially, you got to be, quote unquote, Canadian to be able to be most comfortable. Um, I, I guess when I was going, I may be different now, but those are some of the realities. So I think it's a constant exposure that allows you to teach these kids to embrace your culture and i think as she gets older there's some things that make you shun your culture to fit in or feel comfortable uh it happens around kids some of the foods you know it's not different some of the things you do are different cultural events so all these different things 
I think impact a kid's pride in their culture. So you have to, in your actions and in your speech and what you do, create that pride so they don't get caught up in, I have to be like Canadians to be, you know, more accepted. They have to be able to say, no, nah, this is how we get down. It's great. And I'm proud of it. I remember so when we were growing up quick, we remember we, when we would travel to either London or to the US or to Canada, we would always mm-hmm. tell like mommy that um, we're not speaking fancy in public, <laughs> you know, like, and that was back in the 90s because there was almost like a shame associated with mm-hmm. being African. We will tell her we're not speaking fancy in public. We'll only speak English. And looking back now, I'm like, why didn't I mean how? Why look at our name? Why were we embarrassed of speaking our language? Because you see, when you see other cultures like um the Indians, the Pakistanis, the Chinese, they have no shame. Even Latinos, they don't have any shame speaking their language in public, you know? Yeah, but and that's yeah. because it's because it's more acceptable. It is. <laughs> Nobody likes <laughs> this is a wrong way to say this, but it's kind of true. Nobody really likes us. So everything we do is seen as, or everything about us is bottom of the barrel. You know, even other races and cultures will sit down and make fun of African culture or Caribbean culture in a certain way. And you're like, but you're an immigrant too, though. Like, if the KKK come, we're all going. So why are you acting like you're more favorable than me? But it's part of the, you know, every race that has come into Canada has assimilated in a certain way and moved on. It seems like Black is the only race that didn't assimilate the same way. And, you know, it's just how they react to us. People love making fun of all that type of stuff. And it's okay. To this day, people think it's okay. Every culture makes it makes fun of it. So it's seen as okay. But you can't go out there and talk left, right, and center about other cultures. So I think that's what shames people, right? And then the other thing, too, is if you, and I think it happened to us, too, you take lunch from your country back home to school, and they're like, oh, what is that? It smells weird. And mm-hmm. you I immediately. One of, of the lunch. Yeah. it's the way they look at it and say what is that and i understand that kids here don't know anybody the kids but these things stick with you and then imagine having the internet so the teasing doesn't stop when you go home after school you got to face it all the way through the night and then wake up tomorrow morning yeah you have to build a strong sense of self in in her you know so and it's even down to i'm not giving her white dolls she has to get dolls that are reflective of her she needs to be Mm -hmm. able to see that it's you know, there's beauty in her in society all the time. Yeah, in the in books, in TV, in any sort of thing there has she has to, or any kid has to see that there's like representation because mm-hmm. right away, you know, that's where it starts and it starts from so young. So it mm-hmm. is truly important. I do find like there's more of that now. There's more of that available mm-hmm. now than mm-hmm. I think there ever was, so... Yeah, uh, you know, the world is responding. Yeah, exactly. It's taking a while, but it's responding. So, yeah, I think it's going to be, I mean, the future looks bright, but until then, I still have to prepare her, right? Because, you know. <laughs> I like that you've, I, I like that you have used throughout this um, interview, like, you have to prepare her as opposed to protect. Like you mm-hmm. mentioned before that it's it's impossible unless she's going to be living in a bubble. So I think that's that's exactly what parents should do. It's just preparation. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you're training. You're training. Yes, this. you do. You're training your child, right? You have to. And you also have to train them to have thick skin. Because yeah, here totally. it comes. 
hear mm-hmm. it, it coming. And these kids, because you don't know where some of these kids grow up. And, yeah. you know, if I'm getting beat down at home verbally, emotionally, even physically, I have to find an outlet for it. And so these kids come to school and those are your bullies, yeah. right? And if you don't have that thick skin, they will eat you alive because, you know, especially as you get close to high school, for example, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a gauntlet. So you have to build that strong sense of self and pride and you have to prepare them. If you tell somebody this is going to happen, so, you know, you need this, 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 it's easier when you see it come. But if you don't and you create a false sense of reality and it happens, it shatters a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, you know, the sun shines and lollipops ends nowadays right after kindergarten because you're yeah. fighting the internet. Yeah, so the once internet. they learn how to click, yeah, you got to start training them. We, you know, your sister and I, we always talk about our love-hate relationship with social media. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, the other day I saw that in a, in a high school, like these kids reenacting the George Floyd um incident yeah like it literally the principal resigned and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um but you're just like how is this happening you know and it is and it's still happening and and it'll continue to happen so mm-hmm. because we 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 haven't gone there yet people believe and again these kids are growing up in the houses where that's acceptable if yeah, the kid exactly. is doing it in school they know their parents aren't going to be mad right they've seen or heard something regardless of how the parents act in public because mm-hmm. i knew growing up i'm not stepping out of myself to act a certain way in public and let elizabeth find out <laughs> she'll cut me in half right yeah so if i'm doing it in public is because i've either seen or heard her say it and i feel it's okay because she's made it seem okay i don't firmly believe that so yeah but these kids will do it and they think it's hilarious mm-hmm. they have been become very desensitized oh yeah you know that's the scary thing. That is, is the scary thing is that they've become desensitized to a lot of things. So it's like I'm I'm scared for the child our children growing up, you know, going into school, what they're going to see, what they're going to face. Because there's that kid who's seen death, they've seen, you know, abuse, they've seen all different types of things that we fortunately did not get to see. Think, and, think about it. Yeah, go ahead. And we've been shielded from it. Like when we were growing up, like we didn't watch the news with our parents. We they would send us off, you go to another room, go and play because mm-hmm. they didn't want us to know or hear about things that were going on. And so now as adults, when you hear like, oh, this happened in 1988, you're like, I, I don't remember it because mm-hmm. it's like we were didn't sh- talk to you about it. But now it's like children saw George Floyd die on tv even if they didn't their parents kept it from them they went on social media and watched it you know Mm -hmm. and they're seeing all these you know racial things happening they're seeing like they've lived through a pandemic they're seeing shootings they're seeing this and that they're burying classmates friends are jumping off buildings all of these things and so it's like what's new whereas with us everything was such shock value because we were protected Mm-hmm. So being a parent in 2021 is very different than our parents in the early 80s, early 90s. And we haven't even talked about the pandemic aspect of it, which is its whole other thing. But yeah, no, I mean, the world has changed. And I think about it. That nine-year-old boy in London is going to go to a high school where he's going to meet up with kids or he's going to go to university and meet up with kids 
Some who agree with what happened to his, his family, some who don't. Some who think it's funny to may bring it up, some who don't. Like these things are going to happen. Our, ki- our kids are going to be in these schools with people who face these things as people get. And the kid who did it, this kid who committed the murders, uh, the terrorists committed the murders in, in um, uh, London, he was 20. Yeah. He was 20 years old. I don't think people grasp what that means. Being that radical to throw away your life at 20 years old. Do you think he's alone? And was that the first car murders plot we've seen happen? Or did we just see Manassian do that too? Mm. So could he have been inspired that that could be a working way? I mean, you, you know, have they checked the blogs to see what he's saying? Am I to believe that you have to be over 30 to be radical? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can be young. And some of, and I mean, you are, you are going, our kids are going to be in school with some of these kids who are going to get radicalized. Same thing that happened, Columbine even then. So these, these are things that are going to be ongoing issues. These are things that are going to be ongoing. And the only way I see through it is your kid has to walk in there completely prepared for what it is they're about to face. So it's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be very difficult, awkward conversations. Because you can never answer yeah. why. Yeah. Not why? I, who knows? And that's the hard part. But. You, you want to see that kid come home after school. You want to see them graduate. So. That's the yeah. important thing there, yeah. That's the important thing. That so, they yeah. come home, that they come home, that they make it through a day. And it's it's really sad that that's how we have to think. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I just want to be grateful that my kid comes home at least, mm-hmm. you know? But that's what, that's what it has totally become. Sorry. Yeah. That's yeah. But on to Ryder Moten. <laughs> so we are at the end of our interview and we have just one question for you. Mm-hmm. What do you enjoy most about fatherhood and what do you not like about fatherhood? And what would uh, you- Or maybe what you could what you could also do is convince those those men that are just really waiting just <laughs> not wanting to have any kids. Well, you know, respectfully, that might be their decision. But for those for those men that are just hanging on to being single with no kids, yes. get yes. them over the okay. threshold. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. You rush a man into anything serious and he will F it up. That's just how we are. <laughs> we have to get there or be willing. I wouldn't have been married if I didn't think I was ready to be. So the men who are hanging on is because they feel there's more value to it. It also means they may not technically be men. They may still be boys. You can have a 40-year-old boy, right? What about the society forces you to mature? Honestly. Mm -hmm. No, that's a a very valid point. Yeah. You know, so they don't have to. And most people don't see the value because they hear the horror story, the late nights, and you can't do this. You can't just get up and go to the club, and you got to be responsible. But (laughs) um, there's powerful moments in you know the child's born and you hold your child for the first because i was there for my child's birth i was in a room and i stood up so my wife makes a joke that i know her better than her because i literally saw her the move her guts cut the bag and then they're like okay daddy has to sit down so i'm seeing their tug uh the baby out so you know they take her out they put her on they weigh her they wrap her and then they put her in your arms and she's wailing but you know you're like oh my god and then you see this vulnerable, helpless thing that's just mm-hmm. completely dependent on you. 
And for the first five months, you get little to no reaction. And then somewhere <laughs> around the sixth month, you're there doing what you usually do. You look down, they look at you, and they hold your face, and they smile, and you're just, buddy, you're done. You're done. You're done. And then from, and the thing is, the more you get to know your child, and you see the, it's, I think the most awesome part is seeing her grow. And the moments where she's learning and discovering new things, when she first walked, when she first ate for herself, <laughs> when, when you say dada and she just starts laughing or she gets shy and you say, dada loves you and she like laughs and controls. These are the greatest moments. The worst moments, listen, <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. I'm a correctional officer, okay? So, and having a family, that means I have to walk into a high, and I work at the, uh, at a, one of the biggest jails here and it's also one that's always in the media so it's not an easy place mm -hmm. so i have to go from you know regular to co for eight hours deal with or eight to 12 hours depending on how long my shifts are I deal with that and then between coming off work and getting home i have to completely turn off all that and it's tough because some days i see things none of you even want to know Mm -hmm. but it's just a Wednesday, but I still can't take it home. So I got to take, I got to clean up, go home. And then you get home and then Ari decides she's not sleeping that night. <laughs> you're tired. You're worn out. You're going back to work the next day and it's two in the morning. And this girl's clapping her hands, <laughs> wanting to play and won't stay down. And you've left in the crib. She's cried it out. You know, so those moments are the tough ones, but at the same time, like I said, in 10 years, I can turn on and tell that story because I played a part. I didn't, I wasn't ignoring you. I was actually active in those moments. But yeah, best parts are her learning experiences. Worst parts are the sleep progressions. <laughs> oh my God. You, listen, this is, I know people, parents understand and to the rest of the world, it sounds terrible. But it sounds like, I just want to throw the shot out the window so I can go to bed. Because <laughs> they won't stop. Oh yeah, totally been there. Yeah. I, I know one thing too uh, about parenthood. I just remember when my son was a baby, we would like celebrate that he pooped you know like yeah. that was like that was our that was our reason to celebrate mm -hmm. we were so happy so it's like you you know the things you'd never think you'd be so happy about are the things you are. that you're, you're so happy about yeah so happy about everything is great everything my you look at the you look at the pictures in my phone it's all these random things and then now it's just baby 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 family baby baby family baby yeah, yeah so you know Oh, it's a, it's a great, for something that I didn't, at the, when it came, I didn't think I was ready for, or even I wasn't sure if I wanted to be. I, I think it's been one of the best things that have happened in my life. That little girl is everything to me. Everything. You know, so it's different. I, and my word of advice is for fathers, don't get caught up in, man, don't do this, man, don't do that. Let that go. Just yeah. allow yourself to be a part of your child's life it is a amazing experience it is an amazing experience and when they get older it means the world to them like i cannot i you know what i love is all my friends are very active in their kids lives and i've seen that and that was great to see and being the opportunity i get why yeah you're not going to see your friends as much you're not going to chill as much you might make some you know for me monday to friday i work three out of the five days that i work i'm 12 hours so i don't see her Mm -hmm. I'll see her Monday and Friday, sometimes, depending. And then, so I have Saturday, Sunday to cook, clean, laundry, and get as much family time as possible before it all starts again. So 
And I know my family gets mad. Will I give out on seeing my family to get family time with just us? Yes, I will. Because I don't know if I'm going to get it this week. And then I don't know if I'm going to go to work and there's going to be COVID. So I can't see them for two weeks or a guy's going to throw piss or poop on me. So I got to go do all these injections. So, you know, I may oh not come home gosh. that night. Right. Yeah. So you, you, you know, for most people, you don't care about, you know, you're going to see a kid for me. I'm not guaranteed I'm coming home. Yeah. Or at least coming home in one piece. So the time I get with my family is very important. When my nuclear family is very important. Yeah. Because I'm not guaranteed it with the work I do. And that's why I say shout out to all the first responders and correctional officers out there. People forget us. Mm. But we are the people you hear on the news and you forget about, we get 40 of them in one area with just two of us. And we wow. go to work every day. So we're dealing with that every day through the pandemic and all types of stuff that we're dealing. So you gotta, you know, don't forget about us. So these are the different stresses that exist, you know, but mm-hmm. it's not for my kid to live. It's not for my wife to live. So. Well, thank you so much. My goodness. That is, sure. um, it's no, it's one, it, it's really, it is good to bring up that uh, like for correctional officers, I think, yeah, definitely not brought up a lot in the, in the media, Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that but also thank you so much for just talking about your experience being a father we don't want to hold up much more of your time because we know that <laughs> we yeah. do want to be able to oh, oh hi look at it yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we want to be able to give you more time with your family yes, so. yes, yes. she's knocked out oh she finally yeah, we just have to move her to her bed now. And that's so, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh we've been waiting for the knockout. Yeah. You never move a sleeping child, but we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Never move a sleeping child, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. Get it done. But thanks for the opportunity. Greatly appreciate it. It was fun. It was really fun. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. yeah. Oh, nice to see you, Nicole. <laughs> nice to see. Oh my gosh! But congratulations! How Thank amazing! You. Very, very cool. <laughs> very happy for you. Thank you. <laughs> so, Quaku, where can we find you on social? I mean, we'll tag you. But if anybody wants to follow you, um... so I, I so I I got rid of all personal social media pages. I exclusively really only talk about basketball on social media now. So, if people are into it, you can just follow at Triple Post. On Twitter, Instagram, I use that triple post. And I just talk about, uh, I, I found I was just being mindless on social media, just looking at people's lives and comparing mm-hmm. and all this. And there was no point to it. And I wasn't enjoying exposing. Yeah. I don't, if you've known, I have no pictures of my kid, especially online, mm-hmm. uh, different social media age. And once you put things online, it's for the world. So I just realized I'd rather not put so much of my personal life out there. And now I just talk about basketball. So if you want to find me at that triple post and maybe one day I'll go back to stand up comedy. We'll see. That'd be amazing. But yeah, yeah he was so. super good at, I mean, I've, I'm, and I'm biased because I'm his sister, but um, yeah, he was funny. He is very, very funny. And I there wish was time. go back. I hope this will prompt him to go back into it. Listen, I was very concerned when we started dating, when he told me he did stand up. And I, and I, I remember the first day, I was like, are you even funny? Yeah, yes. <laughs> so she saw me, so she saw me kill it yes, at yes, the Nubian did. disciples of prior. Yes, he did. Yes. He killed, killed it. Shout out to Kenny Robinson. 
Yes. For the longest time, my dad, when he went to watch his show, we didn't tell him. We were we one day we surprised him. He didn't know. He came over. Oh, he's like, I have to go to a show. I have to go to a show. And he didn't know that we were going there. So we he gets he gets on stage and he sees us sitting in the audience. And he killed it. And my dad did not stop talking about it. And oh, that's what, amazing. He met, you know, Quake was a comedian and Quake was joke. And to this day, he still <laughs> talk about the jokes and everything. He needs to back. Fun times. That was before COVID. Yeah, I know. Well, now no, you have, like, maybe you have like lots more material because of COVID, right? <laughs> well, not even just COVID, but being a dad, it's like oh, free yeah. material. Free material. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Getting a chance to go, well, be married and having a kid is, is material. So, yeah, I got to go back and yeah, try some don't stuff. talk about me and your material. <laughs> Anymore. Oh, damn, my phone just died. All right, we, well, we still see you. We still hear you. But thank oh, you okay. so much, Quaker. We really, really, really appreciate it. Oh. <laughs> that was a good timing, though. Yes. <laughs> well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining thank us you. today. That was really fun talking to your brother. Yeah. Um, he's so enlightened and he's very like he's very wise I, I could listen to him talk I find that interesting about comedians like comedians like look at Dave Chappelle for example he's like brilliant right and his yeah. comedy is reflected in that yeah. as well so it's really nice to talk to him but until next time I guess Sandra yes until next time um it's been great <laughs> <laughs> as we are still like getting back into a normal world yeah. as Adra would usually say uh, you know to wash your hands get, and, and get vaccinated oh that's another topic I know it's a difficult topic but I'm just saying that I know people have their own thoughts on vaccination and I totally agree but it's if you are not going to get vaccinated then please be considerate of others. Think about there's still a lot of people, babies still haven't been approved to be vaccinated. Some people have health conditions and can't be vaccinated. So if you're going to be out, stay home if you're not feeling well, wash your hands, wear your mask. Please do not take your mask off and cough and sneeze and spit because I've been seeing that a lot lately. That's the reason why you have a mask so you can do it in your mask. But yeah. if you are thinking of getting vaccinated, I think you should, because the more we get vaccinated, the more I can get on a plane and travel. <laughs> so I know, right? I know. Yes. Well, did you see? I mean, okay, yeah, let's not get into it. But, um, but yes, if you're not going to get vaccinated, at least, you know, wear masks so that yes. we can protect you as well. It's not just about protecting ourselves, but protecting, doing our due diligence to protect others who are not vaccinated. So with that being said, it's been lovely. So we'll see you next time. Adios. Bye.